Imagine four balls on the edge of a cliff. Oh. It's us. It's us. It's our balls. Welcome to the show. Play the music. 48 minutes of dogs barking. 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 Growl. Growl. 48 minutes of dogs barking. 48 minutes. After the song that never ends. Yeah. Welcome to the show. I was just like like thinking you think you think Dan Quinn could hold in a bong hit <laughs> for the length of our of the theme thought the theme song? His theme song? It's entirely possible. I mean he he might have to, to recarb and go back for a, a second, but he might he might be able to do it. Have you ever had the situation where you thought you forgot how to say a word right? <laughs> I think you just had one of those right then, didn't you? Well, there's been one that's really been getting me last week or so, and it's been the word Korea. Like the country? Okay. And I'm like, is that really how you say it? I, I just go by the end of, of Cut Your Hair by Pavement, where he just starts going, Korea, Korea. He's saying career, but... Uh, Stephen uh, Malmus right, uh, right. stretches that word out past its breaking point, and then at the end of the song, he's just shouting "Korea, Korea." So I use that as my as my pronunciation guide. Couldn't tell you if it's right. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of like I'm. Is that how you say it? Like I, I like <laughs> I said like I like said something about Korea to uh, a Korea to a coworker the other day, and I kind of like caught myself. Is is it is it courier? I think it just I think it just might be that like I am uh, I am born from river trash. <laughs> I think just the more the, the imagine if you will that the Mississippi River is a giant magnet, mm-hmm. and the longer I stay next to this giant magnet, the more my brain just gets all of its juice siphoned out. It's just this. You know, I'm going to have a jet ski in a couple of years if I keep staying next to this body of water. <laughs> There's no easy way to segue from that. Welcome to the show. It's 48 Minutes of Dogs Barking. My name's Jason alongside for the rights. Brian, the vanity to my prince. The neighbor's dog to your son, Sam. There you go. Perfect. I love it. The, <laughs> the voice in my head telling me to redacted someone in Minecraft. So welcome to the program, everybody. It's been a weird week, hasn't it? It's only Wednesday, and it... don't give away the game. They don't need to know when we recorded this. Oh, um, it is <laughs> it, uh, undisclosed time and undisclosed. It's location. September eleventh, two thousand. No, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> as if, uh, as if everything else we're going to say tonight isn't going to put us on a I'm, watch I'm, list. I'm using the DARPA time machine. <laughs> <laughs> Trump's grandfather invented. Yeah. Trump's grandfather, QAnon, believes that he was involved with Tesla, that he was in, that he had some sort of say in some of Tesla's stuff, and they they believe they some of the, some of the QAnon people really genuinely believe that Trump has access to a time machine. If, yeah, if he did, he would have seen the FBI coming. This week, Trump's Mar-a-Lago. Folks, yep, folks, I was there in <laughs> Dallas. His head just did that. Folks. <laughs> Jackie O, classy lady. I don't know what happened to her in that car, but 
Well, let's just say I would have put her in a calendar if I. Uh, so have you have you ever been to the Grassy Knoll? Right uh, I have there? been. I have been to Dallas. I've driven through that intersection. I did not. <laughs> did you did you did you uh, dramatically slam on your brakes at the proper time? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's no. like a part of history. Yeah. That was a weird turn. And then that got me started. My kids well, were in the car with me. I couldn't go into the whole thing. I was like, yeah, this is where uh, the thing happened. This is where the CIA got back at JFK. <laughs> I thought it was the Cubans and the mafia. I don't know. I was Oliver Stone-pilled for a while. So I thought, you know, the, the, the depiction in in the, the Oliver Stone JFK movie was was the truth. But, you know. No one, no one really knows. It was a strange. It was a strange trip because we drove through Oklahoma, like you do, and then, and we were driving. Jeez, we were driving a PT Cruiser at the time. Ooh, ooh, yeah, a lot of family togetherness. It was a good trip, but uh, yowza! That that mm. drive from St. Louis to like Dallas Fort Worth. Is kind of like one of those things where, like, you know what? If I was a trucker, I would probably just start killing random people too. Just like that's just, <laughs> God, it's just like it's just like there's you gotta break up that monotony because you're driving from St. Louis because you probably will stop for gas and like Springfield yeah. Joplin and and without fail, the guy at the pump on the other side of the pump from you will always be some white guy with like a Chrysler LeBaron and like a tattoo of a dragon that has to be from like an old D and D monster manual. Then the dragon is like caressing these two words and you're like, what the fuck? And you realize like, Oh, it's like white power and comic book font. Yeah. That was the cover of Jack Kirby's white power magazine. I don't know if you said that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, but that was like every single time I've ever had to drive from St. Louis, the Texas, yeah, stop in Joplin or Springfield. Now, was it always the same the, guy, or was it just that? It's kind just of always. Guy? It's, just like, it's <laughs> just like because I just remember, like uh, when my grandfather passed away, I, I drove with my mom from St. Louis to Texas, and both times, the way there and the way back, we stopped in like Springfield, Joplin area for gas, and both times, both both times, we're like it's just another fucking white fucking Hoosier with a goddamn KKK white power tattoo, and you're like, speaking of Texas. <laughs> Uh, I didn't even right. get to the thing I wanted to say about the daily plasma. <laughs> oh, I am terribly sorry. Please continue. So, so I, I, I went there one time with my family. I was like 20. Mm. I remember just being like, ah, this is, this is where that happened, huh? Guy Debord has a quote that tourism is human circulation to see that which has become irrelevant. And boy, oh boy, I've worked at the St. Louis Arch and I know that to a T. And I feel like when I was standing there, I felt the same way because there was like all of these people like because it's it's like an open it's an open road. Like I think it's yeah. like a thoroughfare to like a highway system or something like that. But I remember standing, you know, in a daily plaza and like watching all of these people run out into traffic and like stand on the X's and like pose for photos. Ugh. And uh, I'm just like, first of all, that's like a little dangerous too. Like that's a, a little ghost. Feels a little, little feels a little, little tasteless. Uh, it was like it was yeah. like when I was covering Ferguson apartments where michael brown was killed yeah. and you would see people like taking selfies and i Ugh. guess just like a force of habit or just not really understanding what's you know just being 
terrible yeah. in the way that people are terrible like taking a selfie and like maybe involuntarily like doing the duck face or kind of doing like the squat like in front Ugh. of like all the the memorial and like all the stuffed animals and you're just like Ugh. but no. uh but you know for me i think they should put rumble strips Oh right yeah. There. So yeah, yeah. So like you really you really you feel get the like full, you're part of yeah. history. Yeah. yeah you get the but full. anyways, Texas. <laughs> Texas. What's this big Texas thing I keep hearing about? This David the David Bryan film or whatever? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the David Bird movie. Yeah, True yeah. Stories. Yeah. If you've ever seen the movie, True Stories takes place in the fictional town of Virgil, Texas. Now you've been saying to email Virgil in the past couple of episodes I have. and and you know uh, those episodes never went live, but somehow it got into the it got into the ether. You lathed of heavened it into existence because, ladies and gentlemen, Virgil Texas is back, ladies and gentlemen. Folks, Woo! he's back. We love to see it. We love to see it. I'm pouring out three bottles of water for him <laughs> at the same time. So, so what's this? I heard there's something really surprising about his return. So for those of us uh, who are who are not terminally online, we got to give you a little backstory on who Virgil Texas is. I guess I, I, wanna, I keep wanting to say was for various reasons, which we'll get to in a minute. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Virgil Texas is a political commentator. He was a guy who was a returning guest often on a political show called Chapo Trap House. The main guys there, of course, uh, Will Miniker, Felix Biederman, Matt Chrisman. He and Felix created this character, Carl Diggler, who was a, a a very centrist pundit who wrote for Cafe. I don't know if any of those articles are still online, but there's some. Yeah, no, Cafe, no, 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 Cafe. no, not Cafe. <laughs> not the place where you can custom make T-shirts. No, it was like Cafe or Dig or one of those. Like it was kind of like alt lit, but for like a website kind of thing. Yeah, it was somewhere in between like the Daily Beast and Thought Catalog. It was somewhere in there. So that's a pretty good way to put it. It's not a. It's not a bad. I mean, I've had time to think. So they they came up with this character, Carl Diggler, and and he helped write the the Chapel Trap House Guide to Revolution. He was a pretty you know he's kind of up and coming, pretty big name. And then he got me too'd, which I think is the way you say it now. Anyway, the the long the story the long short of it is that he was accused of being a sex pest. He had broken off from the Chapo brand to be on a podcast with Brienne Greyjoy. Or am I thinking of Game of Thrones characters? Brienne Joy. Brienne Joy. See? Brienne Gray? Gray? I can't. Okay. See? Boy, we're I bad did. at this. Yeah, we were really bad at this. It's, but, it's, but, but I'm just being quiet because I have, uh, I feel like a different view of Virgil from you. Because oh, I think please. I interact with him very differently. So I was definitely, you could say someone that was around in like the early, we'll call it weird twitter days yeah, so like yeah, yeah. a lot of the people that have gone to have very successful podcasts that were at first just internet shit posters on twitter which most of them were internet shit posters on something awful particularly in fiad um yeah. virgil was kind of like someone that was in the mix you know he retweeted a lot of my shit and we were facebook friends for a while under his real name so you guys were real close, yeah. I mean, as real close as like as far as internet like, friends, yeah, yeah, internet acquaintances go. But like, I always kind of 
had odd interactions with him because sometimes he would be doing something funny, like trolling weird conservatives on Facebook and stuff like that. Things that he doesn't probably, I don't think like once Chapo got off the ground that he really would ever want to own up to. Right. Um, but I yeah. always kind of felt that like particularly interacting with him, that he kind of treated me like a, like a country rube that didn't know any better. Well, I'm sorry I didn't go to like an Ivy League high school or not Ivy League high school, Ivy League <laughs> college. I mean, pretty I'm impressive pretty sure if he did, yeah. There are such things as what you could basically call an Ivy League high school. They're all in places that aren't. I mean, they're. I mean, SLU High School could be considered one of those here in St. Louis, as in a way. And but most of the things you would associate with that kind of terminology are most certainly not in a place like Missouri. Anyways, I felt like a lot of those people, who I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna blow up their spot, but I felt sure. like interacting with them. They maybe didn't always know how to turn off being a internet shithead, particularly interacting with me. And I can sometimes be a little tragically sincere, but I kind of felt like even some of those people just like talking in DMs or in Messenger or whatever, like a lot of those people could at least be entertaining and how they were being kind of aloof or cynical towards me. But like with Virgil, I kind of felt like... Like he thought, like I fell off the fucking turnip truck. Right. I thought that was always kind of stupid. And I knew people that like worked with him on other projects before Chapo and were like, yeah, you know, like he's a really funny, smart guy, but he also seems kind of really focused on clout, really focused on moving up that ladder and just kind of whatever it takes to get to that next step. And, you know, I didn't really know too much about or Virgil or however you want to refer to him outside of what he put out as a internet person, as a content creator, as a writer. You know, the worst thing about having ADD is just really losing your fucking train of thought. <laughs> I, but I didn't really like know him in a deeper way. And so like after he, he dropped out of Chapo because he was bummed that Bernie got screwed again, like we were all... Well, it was like, well, it's like Virgil Texas was trying to be the Mo Rocca of the fucking <laughs> brochalist. That's left. uncanny, by the way, the Mo Rocca ref. Yeah. You know, I've been working on that one for three or four years. <laughs> Anyways. Been holding on to it. But Virgil, you know, disappearing for a while and then kind of coming back on the Chapo and it kind of being like, you feel like there's something, a little, a little tension there. So Virgil quit to do that. The, the other podcast to be oh. a real pundit basically he basically quit chapo to do the one with brianna joy gray or brianna joy that's I mean, it that's it brianna joy gray yes we go. thank you i knew, ding, ding, I knew ding, ding, I got ding. It all right can i get my pavlovian treat here anyways anyways so oh by the way i love that it was called bad faith because the reason we're even talking about virgil texas Remember, this is not the main part of the show. We're just kind of getting out what's happening just, this week. We're just flapping our gums. We're getting warmed up for the real chicken meat. Indeed. Bad faith is appropriate <laughs> because the reason we're seeing Virgil's name online again is because he wrote an essay for The Lamp magazine. Now, do and you what know is, what the lamp? Yeah, do you know what the lamp? I magazine don't. Is? I don't because I'm just. Uh, I fell off the turnip truck. Right. Well, we knew that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, or what is a lamp? Is that one of those things that illuminates <laughs> what in the dark? 
Boy, yes, I tell actually. you what, they just come up with all kinds of fancy stuff up there in the big cities. And <laughs> I tell you what, uh, well, the, uh, <laughs> the lamp is, and, and you're not going to believe this, a Catholic journal of literature, science, the fine arts, etc. Oh, boy. It's a bi-monthly magazine that offers an Orthodox Catholic perspective on the problems of modern life. Uh, so it's like, yeah, adbusters for Catholics for the for the insane neo-Catholic weirdos out there who just got a really really nice piece in New York Times. I don't know if yeah. you have you seen Kevin. Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? I've I've seen this at all. Uh, New York Times did a piece on, I believe they're they're calling themselves Dimes Square. And the, the headline just pretty much says it all. New York's hottest club is the Catholic Church. Catholicism. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, just wait. Oh, yeah. Catholicism is the new hip thing, partly as a rejection of progressive morality, partly as an aesthetic posture among the fashionable New York set that call themselves Dimes Square. And you'll never guess... You'll never guess who is quoted at length in this piece. I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you two, maybe three guesses. Well, I mean, I mean, if we're really going for the low hanging fruit, I'm guessing Dasha. Dasha Nekrasova. That's right, a Catholic revert, as they call her, and an revert. actress, of course, with a recurring role in HBO Succession, and is in one of the scenes' most popular podcast, Red Scare. Hmm. Oh man, have you ever listened to a whole entire episode of Red Scare? Not by choice. I'll put it that way. I would listen <laughs> when they you would had... actually recommend. You would recommend. No, no, to no, no. Okay. I mean, just out of like, out of like, oh, okay, all of my po- What's who's been on Red Scare lately? I let's, I just need something to get through this fucking drive. Like, I I need to yeah, wake up. Right. I need to get the blood boiling. I guess through yeah. anger. <laughs> That's the same reason I listen to right-wing talk radio, yeah. I, I, I imagine Rush Limbaugh would be better. But he's burning in hell! <laughs> Recently, they put their interview with Alex Jones on there, and... It's just, well, I mean, Alex Jones is obviously quite a terrible person, but he, as far as like people you'd think you could interview and get something entertaining out of, if I had an hour to talk to Alex Jones, I'm sure me and him could have a very interesting conversation. Yeah. You know, like regardless of, of his validity as a, as a person, his worldviews or his morality or his ethics. I bet talking to the guy, I bet like if you had to share a cab with that guy and there was like an accident on the highway, I bet you could talk about some weird shit and have it not be very boring. Yeah, you you could get a hoot out of it. It'd be a hoot and a half. I mean, Lord. I mean, the same thing with a lot lot of the complaints about Red Scare is that they let people walk all over them. And perhaps in a way that's worse than Joe Rogan, there's like really not a lot of pushback. There's not a lot of inquisitive follow-up questions. Questions themselves aren't very inspiring. So it's kind Mm -hmm. of like, well, you're going to let someone expel their filth or expose their filth. And you're not even like 
giving a contrast to it or even like digging deeper to either catch them in a contradiction or even if you loved Alex Jones, you're not even giving him a good platform to even dig deeper in his craziness or his bullshit. So it's just kind of like it's bad form. It's, it's, I mean, that's that's really what it is. Poorly done. And there are enough podcasts out there where people are doing a, a, a very fine job at, at interviewing or being at least baseline entertaining. So it's a, it's hard to imagine. I don't know how these two ladies that aren't very good at this have succeeded so well, other than I think like we just have a culture that celebrates mediocrity in all very different ways. Ooh. Yeah. The only other person quoted directly in the piece is Honor Levy. The, and again, this is, this is a quote from the piece now. This is not me talking shit. The fresh out of Bennington writer who co-hosts the trendy podcast Wet Brain uh, mm-hmm. recently converted and lets you know when she has unconfessed mortal sins on her conscience. The podcast's beat is pop culture, literature, politics, and religion, including practical tips for warding off demons. <laughs> Salt circles, you gotta have, you know, I know, I've seen Supernatural, and you know how to ward off demons, Christ. You know what, I guess I'm just a little old-fashioned, I just have a Thai spirit house by my front door, Uh, because if you don't know this, the curved roof will uh, will knock the spirits upward. I'll take it. I want to get off on a little rant here. I've, I've been stewing on this for like a day and a half, ever since this article came out. Okay, go for it. All right. Tell us how you really feel. I don't know where it is written that New York boroughs get to dictate pop culture to the rest of us. Suddenly, I've got to hear about that nonstop, including an article about how suddenly they're Christians. I did 12 years of Catholic school. I did my time. I don't want to hear about this shit anymore. Who fucking cares? <laughs> Seriously. This is not your grandmother's church. Okay. It's still church. It's not like you're going to get communion and you're going to get macro dosed with LSD on the wafer. It's not that kind of church. I guarantee you it's not. It sounds like something that's very rigid. Yeah. And, and because it's church. Unforgiving. <laughs> but it's like, like I work for a conservative Catholic family they would probably look at this stuff and be like, uh, what the fuck? <laughs> like they would consider them to be, you know, an anathema, you know, they would consider them to be, to be heretics or tryhards at the very least. Well, yeah, that too. But, uh, I, I used to think that like white guys with black flag tattoos that became hair Krishna's were oh. fucking tryhards. But like, mm. I think the whole tread cat thing is really, really really fucking exhausting and i'm gonna have to agree with you like the whole new york being the center of the universe thing only city in the world baby love the mets let's go love the mets love the mets (laughs) (laughs) gotta get a slice yeah i've never been to new york city neither have i but i've seen enough movies i practically live there sure but when i was a music photographer I met my fair share of bands that were from New York or Jersey. And I always found that coming into a place like St. Louis, particularly if they're like some hip indie band, 
but the, but this was their first time like ever really being in like the actual Midwest and kind of like looking down their noses at us. And I remember talking to a guy in a band and they were, I kid you not, they had like a fucking had to be a payola right up and spin for like one <laughs> month did a bunch of like fucking we're in a couple like south by photo galleries i think like for rolling stone and spin and shit like that you know probably had like some sort of like fucking oh they did a dj set with you know uh dj fat mom piss you know at the at the metro and then just disappeared like there was though, I think I I only want to say what name I think it was, but I remember talking to the frontman and like talking about New York and like just kind of talking about New York in a philosophical way of just like you know I've been to some big cities, I've been to Chicago, I've been here, I've been there, but New York just seems like a, a something beyond my comprehension as like an organism, or as a super organism, as a collective of humanity and architecture and infrastructure and. You know, I, and I feel like I could have this conversation with a lot of people in this world, and they'd be like, "Oh yeah, I kind of like the know what you don't know and what you have to assume." And he just kind of looked at me like I was just a just the dumbest fucking guy in the world, and was just like, "Yeah, it's pretty cool, man." And <laughs> ten it, like, minutes explaining like, how the urine like, it was, it was like it was like he just like I this guy looked at me like I just wasted like a couple minutes of his life by trying to sincerely engage with him. Yeah, that's on you, dude. I don't know what you were expecting. I well, like. I mean, I didn't know, but right. like, I mean, like, I talked to tons of musicians. You know, whatever, man. I fucking, I've had dinner with fucking dead prez, and it was one of the most interesting things I ever had to do, yeah, uh, or experience. And I or just like talking, hanging out with like a dude from say anything for like a couple minutes, and just being like, oh, that's neat. Like, you know, a lot of these folks on the road, big musicians, smaller musicians. Typically, if you just like have something interesting to say, they're usually like, okay, yeah, I'll bite. This is a lot better than staring at my phone for the next five minutes. But <laughs> there was always a thing with like New York hip bands that like Das Races, when they came through, kind of felt like they were looking at like the the lesser people like these people like is this even really living in the midwest you know like do oh, they yeah. even do they even have a uh Aubon pan here jeez you know uh i, I just imagine he's trying to talk in a in a, a low missouri accent the contrast here is like bands that were like from california and like la and orange county were usually pretty inquisitive about the Midwest. Mm. Like they were curious and they're like, oh wow, this is like really neat. And like, so there's a plate, like there's good barbecue here, right? And you know, like they they were very interested to be in St. Louis. Yeah. And to experience something outside of because LA is also one of those places where well well we our culture is exported, but we want to see our culture is kind of everyone's culture as far as like pop culture goes. But going to like Memphis or St. Louis or like Louisville or something could be completely mind blowing to like some girl whose mom is a Disney exec and will just bankroll all of her musical endeavors until she dies. All right. <laughs> okay. There's no simple way to make this transition. So let me just go ahead and make it crypto scam of the week, folks.
what we got today, Jason? Today we're actually going to be breaking down courtesy of our good friend Zach XBT. I don't know if you're familiar with this. I'm familiar uh, with Zach. Uh, He's pretty yeah. good alleying the, the nefarious elements of crypto, which is like 90% of it. Yeah. So, uh, so this particular one, it was just published recently, and I found it just so, so intensely interesting. It's called Scammers in Paris. It's on Medium. We'll put the link below if you want to read it yourself. But uh, I'll take you through the basics here because this is just really, really fascinating. It's a phishing scam. Mm -hmm. As someone who works in IT security, I'm very familiar with phishing scams, and I know the ways to avoid them. But unfortunately, some of these ETH holders and Board Ape Yacht Club holders do not. The long and short of it is that these sophisticated phishing scam people created a pretty decent-looking site, and they called it the Board Ape Animator. And, you know, it looks fairly legit. It's got some some other BAYCs up there, and it kind of looks, you know, it's it's got other people's Board Apes, and it looks at least relatively trustworthy. Don't ever do this. But the long and short of it is that they would, they would set up a, a, a web page, and it would say, animate your ape, BAYC members only. And then they would say, you know, connect your wallet here, choose your ape, and then click this button to animate it. So what you were doing when you were connecting the wallet was handing over your board <laughs> ape, which then the scammers would then sell. Right. This has been going on since December of last year. And again, it's August. It's just, yeah, from Instagram. It's just you're going to get an Instagram DM from some guy. Yeah, want to turn your ape into a cool GIF? Send us the board ape, we'll animate it, send it back. Well, you never got it back. <laughs> the old wallet inspector trick. It's the wallet inspector. They fell for it. <laughs> See, um, our animator, he's got, he's got COVID. So it's going to just take a second. It's amazing. Is there a bigger mark in crypto than someone that has a board ape? Maybe the, the cyberpunk guys? Or not cyberpunk. What are they called? Something punks. Those are like kind of one of the OG NFT projects. I feel like the people that have those are a little bit more cautious or maybe a mm. little bit more world-weary. Well, sure. I mean, if they've been in it for a while, they're probably used to seeing these types of scams. So. Board Ape, it just, it just seems like having one of those is just uh, asking for people to fuck with you. It's kind of like... Like a guy, like a homeless guy asking you for a dollar. And so you open up your wallet, but you kind of open it up at the wrong angle. And so he sees all your 20s. And now you've got to spend your next 10 minutes trying to like talk this guy down from handing him all of your cash. And it just doesn't seem, it doesn't seem worth it if you're going to play that kind of game. The game you're playing is fucking images that don't <laughs> fucking matter and burn precious resources so you can have something that looks like a very like bad artwork for like a b-side of like a gorilla's record even jamie hewlett would not draw that okay i say what you will about the man but oh i mean that's immediately what i thought i thought yeah. when i saw when i saw board apes i'm like this looks like i mean it's competent enough and there are nft projects that have i think perfectly nice art that if it were like you know, uh, baseball cards or some collectible mm -hmm. cards or something like, oh, that's actually really nice art for what that is and, and like mm -hmm. that real nerdy, you know, collectible way. But mm -hmm. um, it's an NFT. It does, it's nothing tangible. It's, it's literally nothing. Yeah, I mean, it's literally nothing. <laughs> it's, not a, 
it's it's not a store of value. It's not a safe asset. It's not a physical object. It's not. It's, it's, it's not even all that rare. I don't see the store of value. I don't see any of that, and especially board apes. Some of them are so ugly. Well, it's because they're randomized, and so you know, for every few that kind of look like something that could have been hand drawn, you're going to see a couple dozen that look just kind of like janky or kind of off model. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot. That's a problem with a lot of projects that they're using the same approach as far as like how they're massing the artwork. So a lot of it, I mean, there's I've seen NFT projects where the best artwork they did was one of ones for crypto influencers who then would sell the one of one because <laughs> I, well, I'm not going to be stuck bag holding this piece of shit now that you know the floor has pumped from. 0.1 ethereum to like 10 ethereum why would i why my like you guys were dumb enough to hand this to me so i'm gonna take my couple you know 10 grand and get the fuck out of here it's just it's it's just it's ridiculous to see the wallet inspector still hitting i mean that's that's the tale as old as time yeah i mean it's it's a completely deregulated space so you're gonna find people doing everything they can to take advantage of other people some of those people are addicted to the internet they are. Where are we going with this? I, I'm, I'm working up to it. I'm trying not to laugh. Top 10 signs you might be addicted to the internet. Number 10, you can't breathe because of my balls and legs. Number nine, go fuck yourself, etc. That is, <laughs> is one of my favorite web comics from the late 90s, early 2000s. The main topic of our show tonight is a little place we like to call Jerk City. Oh, yeah. oh. Are you going to educate me? So, so Brian, you're not familiar with Jerk City whatsoever, or have you seen I it a little bit? Or you... haven't. Erin, that acquaintance, she has a Jerk City tattoo. I, my, <laughs> so, the most I know about Jerk City is like just random clips or strips or bits of artwork posted like on something awful forums. I think my first introduction to Jerk C was probably like Rotten.com. Oh, wow. Because I'm a good yeah. boy. Yeah. Give you a little bit of the history behind Jerk City. There were uh, four people, I guess. Michael Tristan, and then two guys only known by their handles, Deuce and Pants. We still don't know who Deuce and Pants are in real life. 1998, they started a, a webcomic called Jerk City. The Jerk City wasn't a traditional webcomic. Because even then, even in the 90s, you had webcomics like Penny Arcade, where they had a small cast of characters, and they had certain jokes that they did. Jerk City was just libidinal and weird. You know, mm-hmm. like that first bit that I just read, that is, a, that is an actual comic called Top Ten Signs. And it is just one character standing in front of a flat background, mouthing off about dick and balls. And then saying, go fuck yourself. Now, as you can see, I have no external genitalia to speak of. How do I keep pants interested, you ask? Three words. Peanuts. Popcorn. Presence. He started off in IRC, which is Internet Relay Chat, which was an early version of something like Discord or Messenger or one of those things. So IRC was its own program. Usually Merck was your client for that that was the program that you'd use mm-hmm. and they switched from irc to something called microsoft comic chat so in the mid 90s microsoft came up with this brilliant idea what if we could turn 
a chat room into a comic strip. This is a program you can still find it because I think they, they, somebody may still have it somewhere. A bunch of archivists and, and people that are, are still keeping up with it because it's written in C++. And it's a, you know, it's still a Windows program. So I mean, you can still you can still use it. It was only maintained for about three years from 96 to 99. Again, 23 years ago was their last stable release. It's obviously so end of life. It was first released with Internet Explorer 3.0. So, you know, that's how, that's how long it's, it's, it's been. Microsoft Chat is exactly what it sounds like. You have your IRC list on the right side with all the users that you're used to connecting with or whatever room you're currently in. And you have rooms, you know, different hashtags you can be in. You know, we're, we're in chat right now or we're in this. Discord does the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. So a lot of things are built on IRC, which was the backbone of chatting in the 90s. What they would do is you'd get the comic chat client and then you'd install it. You'd set it up. You'd set avatars for all your different people in your chat represented by all these different cartoon characters. And they had preset emotions that you could use. And as you go, it would create panel breaks as you went. Mm-hmm. So, so these guys took the IRC chats of horny stoned computer programmers and turned them into comics. Which is just a, a brilliant way of just shitting out bizarre but very interesting content, particularly yes. in that period of time. So many jokes that you can't really even repeat, but a lot of them are, you know, edgelord 90s humor about being gay. Well, obviously, Cher doesn't think I'm strong enough to believe in love. Well, watch this. Hey, I just got fired. I just got fired from the dick sucking factory because I saw up a woman's skirt and became erect. (laughs) Which is, I think that is a jerk city. (laughs) I think that is a jerk city comic. Don't you hate it when you're late for work and you forgot all of your dildos to suck on? It's just, it's just awful humor and it's mean but like just delightfully abrasive yeah and i think a lot of humor is in that same vein that you and i would think of as something like fyad humor which again Mm -hmm. uh, for those of you not know something awful forums had a separate sub forum for flame wars called the fuck you would die forum but then (laughs) it just started to become a place where people went around calling each other gay and basically like all the internet memes came from something awful, particularly FIAD, and all the runoff from that was 4chan. Right. So it's like it's like this it's like the Garden of Eden for guys that were very excited to buy an iPhone so they could make goats see their wallpaper. Yeah, see? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Jerk City, by the way, is still publishing. Yes, yes, I, I do know, know this, that. but it is it is one of the longest running web comics with the exception of maybe Penny Arcade. Because they don't have anything to do but use the clip art that Microsoft provided them and pull up the funny parts of their chat logs, they can continue running pretty much forever, I would imagine. JerkCity.com is no longer their website. Their website is now BoneQuest.com. I don't know what precipitated the change. (laughs) That's just just an amazing uh, curveball. And they also operate a Twitter account at FrogTips. 
Oh, and they did uh, they did create a Wordle clone called Hurgle. One of the running bits that uh, some people have have uh, borrowed from Jerk City is which is usually a bunch of G's, H's, and U's uh, arranged in a format to simulate the sound of you giving oral sex to a man. That's usually the sound that you're making. You're going that, and so Hergel, uh, you know, go, 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 go. Those kinds of things are, are traceable back to, to Jerk City slash Bone Quest slash Frog Tips. That's amazing. It's amazing just how memes and outsider culture spreads through the internet. So a couple of years back, they did a project. I don't even know if it was actually them. I think it was somebody who is a fan. Hello from the future. Jerk City HD was created by Eliza Gager and is available at jerkcityhd.tumblr.com. Please accept our apologies for the intrusion. We now return you to the Jerk City slash Bone Quest episode already in progress. Jerk City HD was that you take Jerk City comics and you redraw them in a, uh, you know, in a better format than the Microsoft comics. And some of them are great. And some of them are not so great. You know, that's it's... It, a bunch of internet people redrawing these obscene comics. A lot of this, ha- like just me saying it, doesn't really give you the full experience of reading Jerk City every day for years. You know. Yeah, I think the the only web comic that I've had like a similar relationship with is probably Akewood friendships in real life from this comic about weird cats and that's yeah that's like the closest thing i have like jerk city just kind of felt like it was if i was a born a couple years earlier it probably mm-hmm. wouldn't hit with me but i'm like just like at that point jerk city kind of felt like old internet when i started becoming terminally online and things like something awful style project rotten mm-hmm. or like this is the crazy shit Jerk City, I don't really understand. And now I look back at it and I go, well, I mean, it's it's pretty simple. There's a through line from Jerk City to something awful to weird Twitter to come town. Like, well, one of the so one of the creators of Jerk City went on to do one of my favorite things, Leisure Town. Not to be confused, as I did earlier with Lazy Town. Lazy Town was a Swedish television show about a young girl who's getting into trouble and Robbie Rotten's chasing her down or whatever. Leisure Town, on the other hand, Leisure Town is Tristan Farnan, one of the original Jerk City people, going off on his own and making his own satirical comic about the tech industry, at least in the first one on here, QA Confidential. It's one of their longer strips because it's a series of images. They had one of those, a couple of those bendy dolls, you know, those rubber kids' toys where it's a cute animal and you can bend it in all kinds of poses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Well, they took a bunch of those and then did photographs of them in sequence, uh, just like whatever comics panel they wanted. And then with a little bit of Photoshop and a little bit of text editing, would create a comic out of it. So it was very light on art because really the only art you had to do was composing a photo and then you snap the picture and then you put the text on. But a lot of the language, a lot of the herger gurgle, a lot of the shit about stuffing your head in the toilet is all there qa confidential which is the place to start if you're going to start with leisure town because it really is 
the full taste. You get the, the, the comedy, the drama, the whole bit. But then you've got things like Toothpaste Island, which is just a small story. Somebody being obnoxious in a grocery store and the, the worker there deciding they don't want to deal with it. Library of the Damned is <laughs> a guy chasing another guy yelling, uh, I'm telling you, hard-ons, the Renaissance was a land of dicks and pricks and all manner of things to squeeze and spurt, and so forth and so on. <laughs> so, <laughs> but you can draw a line from Jerk City, Penny Arcade, Chris Job to Channel Zero on FX. <laughs> it's very weird. It's like um, I got my red string out, right, and I got the wall behind and we're looking for uh, Pepe how Sylvia. Many, how many uh, blunders with soapy Stevia Goop do you have in your... <laughs> Hello from the future. The episode we are referring to here is the Dan Quinn episode which has never been released. We apologize for the confusion. We now return you to the Jerk City slash Bone Quest episode already in progress. <laughs> I swear I'm not goaded. You're not, you're not, you're not raging at, at Dana White. Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. Okay. But I guarantee nothing else. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, we me, really... We've really scratched, stre- scratched some of the, the deep, crusty tartar that is at the back of the teeth of the internet today. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, 1998. I was in seventh grade. I was, let's see, 17, so that would mean I was a junior in high school. Jeez. I went to an all-boys Catholic high school. Again, I referenced the 12 years of school that I spent uh, in Catholic school. Would you yes. say that you were uh, 12 years a slave? <laughs> I wouldn't put it in those terms, but I, I and I say this all the time when I'm referring to that that I say I did serve my time, you know. I've, I've but I would be uh, I'd be in the computer lab in my old Catholic high school, skimming through Jerk City as fast as I can because I did not want any of the Christian brothers to look over my shoulder and, and see two cartoon characters talking about sucking each other off. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they would have liked it. So I got to ask. So like the minders at your Catholic high school, were they <laughs> oh, yeah. all basically like the Mr. Sacco guy from Beavis and Butthead in one way or another? Just like, just well, like hopelessly out of time. Like Mr. Sacco. Now who like, do you, who do you mean? Because, Oh, oh, you're talking about no that 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 guy was more like a counselor, right? That guy he was had like, the he was kind of like a oh, the good Lord says that, uh, you got. There were a couple of guys like that, yeah. I mean, there 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 were a couple of teachers like that, and and but you know, a lot of them were. You'd be surprised at like how many. God damn it, Jason! If I see you reading that jerk C comic one more time, I'm going to oh. give you something the jerk about. Now, what are you boys laughing at? There's nothing funny about what I've said. Now, what's funny is that there was a guy who sounded just like that. He was our dean of discipline. The fact that they had to have one really shows you. This particular school that I went to, I'm not going to name drop it. They're going to fucking call me and ask me for money. No, thanks. (laughs) Yeah. The dean of discipline at my school was a former military gentleman, and he sounded much like that particular teacher from Beavis and Butthead who started out, we're going to say penis. We're going to say vagina. Yeah, he did not say any of that. We're going to be would... talking about the clitoris. Uh, if only. I didn't know about that until after high school. So <laughs> his whole it's thing, though. Got in the back of your throat. What? Oh. 
I swear that's what John said to me last week. Oh, oh well. Um, we watched Deep Throat together. It was a whole thing. <laughs> that is the plot, by the way, of Deep Throat, if you've never seen it. Yes. Plot is that, that she has a foot in the back of her throat. I did not know this until I was a much older, because I was like, oh, yeah, it's just a, a blowjob movie. So mm-hmm. I didn't realize how funny that was. Just how absurd and funny that movie is, just what, on its own. What's not funny is finding out how the young woman who starred in that film was like coerced and like threatened to perform yeah. in it. That part's not so funny, but just the absurdity of like uh, of seventies porn. Because because it's like, well, we gotta get we get, listen. We gotta get those asses in the seats. And we gotta give them jerking their meat, you know. Like it's just they. We gotta give them substance if we need them to come, you know. We really gotta give them to sit there for a while because I have, I'm a cultured man, have sat through some vintage pornography in my time. I don't know if you can tell, but my bow tie is spinning around and the steam is coming out of my ears. I'm I'm amazed, shocked. Yeah, I mean, I only I only look like. Andy Dick's like bastard child from like <laughs> some Denny's waitress. He he half remembers. Okay, what were we talking about? I have no fucking clue. No, we're talking about uh, Deep Throat. Deep Throat. Oh yes. So the Tivoli, which used to be like the the top tier like arty farty theater in St. Louis, which is now owned by a church for some reason. I don't completely again. It understand. comes back to the church. They're they're everywhere. It's, it's they're like killing everything powerful. I love. But this was a place. Where I had a, a music theory teacher in high school. He would he would he was a big movie buff, and he would talk about like, yeah, you know, I'm waiting in line to see you know some you know art house film at the Tivoli, and I see all the cool college kids and their 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 old you know army jackets and their earth tones and all that. You know, this is like 2004, so um, I'm really upset about those earth tones. Really, bothered. he was he was a very funny um very descriptive person but um but i always like stuck with me like college hipsters and like earth tones and like old military m90 or m65 jackets or whatever they're called and um but the tivoli used to do midnight screenings of a lot of different things um for the last couple a a great print of akira there a couple years back yeah same same i actually it was about eight years ago this week because i actually the last time i saw akia akira i akira ikea years was uh was the friday before mike brown was killed and that was wow. always like this weird thing for me was like i saw akira in theater in this beautiful print and it was like just really engrossing it kind of just like shifted me and then the next day that all happens. It was like this week, and then, and so for me, it's Akira Friday, Saturday. Um, you know, you hear about the Mike Brown murder, and like I'm doing photo work for the RFT, and then Sunday, um, like it just kind of, you know, you start hearing about more and more about it, and I'm covering Miley Cyrus at the fucking <laughs> hockey hockey dome. <laughs> And I'm wow. like, I'm like, wow, what the fuck is like? I'm fucking what, what a life. big. I got this big giant G glass Sony lens. It's like 600 millimeter, and it's just fucking beautiful. And I get these cool 
photos. And at the time, I didn't have a smartphone, so I'm driving back in the North County. And on oh, wow. 70, I just see like cop cars going both directions. Just, just I've never seen, had never seen anything like it. And then, you know, a couple hours later, I'm standing with um, the music editor and the staff writer of the, one of the staff writers at the RFT at Chambers and uh, West Florissant, seeing all the riot cops go down to where the the burning quick trip is. So it was a really there's a lot of people in St. Louis I feel that can tell you a story that revolves around like a midnight screen at the Tivoli is the long way I'm getting around to this. And it used to be very standard. It's been at least until the pandemic, the midnight screens were pretty standard fare. Like, Oh, it's, it's fight club. It's Jurassic mm-hmm. park. It's, uh, Amelie, you know, like sure. all of the, all of the, 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 um, the terror classic movies, 100 kind of things. Of, of <laughs> the AFI, yeah. But, in the early aughts, it was a little bit different. You could go mm-hmm. see Cannibal Holocaust. You could go mm-hmm. see uh, I, pornography. Like, literally, I saw something called Disco Dolls and Hot Skin, which is a 3D porno. <laughs> and it has and uh, it has some really uh, exploitative shots as far as exploitative as, like, the medium of three-dimensional you know, yeah, the the, the the technology, and they're like, I I wear glasses, and the I couldn't get them to work with my eyeglasses, so I just kind of gave up after a while, and just had like sit through like this very blurry <laughs> thing. But it was also just kind of funny because I got to imagine what was going on, way that people were reacting, because there's like a strap on scene where a, a girl is fucking another girl with a strap on, and there's kind of a shot that before she goes to insert the strap on into right, it's coming the at the other, audience. Yeah. 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 It's like, Oh, the shark's coming at the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Jaws and, uh, 3d, but with humping. Yeah. And there was like a, like a, a, a very aggressive, messy cum shot, like in like the California shrubbery <laughs> that like had people going like, Oh, like, <laughs> Like it really had people uh, on their on their on their toes. Well, speaking of uh, well, speaking of porno, <laughs> we could do that. We can make that the transition. Speaking of porno, our uh, shock.jpg image of the week. It, it, it was a uh, it's been a long time coming. It's one of the ones that made me think of doing this for the show. We've covered some of the classics, and this is no different. It's a photograph of uh, three elderly gentlemen engaged Ooh. in um, engaged oh. in um, what would you call that? Uh, mutual support. Mutual. There, you, mutual aid. Yeah, yeah. That's that is what that is. Oral support, if you will. Yeah, three three elderly gentlemen just having a good time, totally nude, uh, and for some reason, it goes by the name Lemon Party. I mean, you kind of want to make a, a lemon face looking at. Yeah, it. you know it's really so. sad. It's like a, it's like watching like an old movie, and you're like, oh, that dog's probably dead. <laughs> you know what? You're probably right. Those old guys probably are. I mean, that lassie has not been saying that Timmy's in the well for a very, very long time. Well, you know, what's funny is that uh, one of these guys looks like an elderly uh, Virgil Texas. Isn't that interesting? Anyway, uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a message from the future. I got a lemon party story. Oh, please. I'd love to hear it. 
so when I was 19, I worked at a guitar center. First job. And to show you how much in the stone age of technology this was, at least as far as computers were, each department got its own desktop with a, with a screen so that you could do better customer service. Like, and there was all these really weird rules about what you could do with the computers and with the internet. And, um, like just like the people, like it made it feel like either who was in charge of this project didn't understand the internet or how computers work, <laughs> or it was someone that was very cynical and thought that people at Guitar Center were too fucking stupid to be trusted with this. And I want to say it's someone that felt like that the average Guitar Center employee in 2004, 2005 was too fucking stupid to be trusted with this sort of thing. I remember getting reamed out by my store manager for changing the wallpaper <laughs> on the desktop from from the default Windows XP to a photo. Um, one of the guys that used to do paint pedals for Zachary Vex uploaded a, a photo to be used as a wallpaper of like the board that he he did all the 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 base coats on. So it had like all of these really cool shapes and patterns on it. And like I remember like almost getting written up for that, which is just hard to imagine. But we all got in trouble because the guys in Pro Audio decided to change the wallpaper and their on their computer to Lemon Party. And they would do this thing because these my these are all like guys in their 30s. Right. And like maybe a little bit younger. These are guys who were older than me at that time. And they would be like, uh, Hey, Chris, come over to Pro Audio. And you, so you see Chris fucking do his dopey nerd walk from one part of the store to the other. And, uh, you know, you'd hear some commotion and you'd see Chris walking out of Pro Audio, shaking his head violently. And then eventually it's my turn. Hey, um, Brian, come over to Pro Audio. The fuck is this? Right. And you know, I do my little fucking nerd walk over there, my fucking bowling shirt or whatever. <laughs> and I walk over behind the computer and there's lemon party. And it's not even sized properly for the whole entire screen. It's like here's like the five hundred by like three hundred pixel image <laughs> and then like a gray background. And I go, Oh, and I just go, Oh, it's lemon party, and just walk away and completely ruin their day. Because yeah. they were like so used to getting people of like, oh, it's so gross. Look at the right. old dudes and like, and they all like everyone got all of us collectively got in trouble for for looking at like people were going to like, uh, you know, I remember one of the guys that worked in the back just like, check this out, look what I can get on the internet, and he just like literally typed like anal porn into like Google, clicked on the first link, and he's like, check out this. Check all these photos, man. She's really getting it up the ass. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, you're you're like in trouble. And he's like, what? They can't track it. And then like the next morning meeting, the store manager is like, hey, so I've already got a couple of emails from corporate. They can see what you guys are looking at. <laughs> like you, it was it was like, uh, I mean, these are guys that uh, I don't know what they thought. But they, it, it was well, such being, a, being gay was just so transgressive. Like they, if they could trick you into looking at oh, gay, oh, porno, there was there was definitely there was definitely like how long can you leave meat spin sure on and stuff like that kind of things. 
But I mean, like, this was also a place where, like, you would see a guy with a guitar counter go, like, just being bored out of his mind. There's, like, a torrential downpour outside. There hasn't been a customer in the store for, like, three hours. We're all just fucking tired of being, like, yeah, so you know this Deep Purple riff? Oh, yeah, man. That's pre- oh, I play it like this. Interesting. Um, like just like stupid guitar shop guys, but you see like a guitar guy at the guitar desk, and from the guitar desk you could see right in the drums, and there would be like a guy working at drums, and you would be like, check this out. And this particular guy who I will not name was the sort of person you would expect to have the phone number for a sex line memorized because he was that kind of guy. And uh, he calls and he dials it up on speakerphone so we all can hear like, oh hey. Uh, thank you for dialing one eight hundred wet ass, and then uh, you know, like you know, or something like that. And then he'd be like, he's like, all right, check this out. And so he he puts it back, uh, takes it off the, puts it back on the receiver, and he puts it on hold. And then he pages. And mind you, there's no incoming phone call here. Right. It's it's an outgoing call. phone call right. being parked. And then this guy getting on the phone and being like, Scott and Drums, your mom's on line three. And then you all, everyone's just standing there watching Scott and drums walk over to the phone being like, why is my mom calling and picking up and just like, then like slamming the receiver on the end <laughs> edge of the desk and just going, fuck, fuck, fuck. And then like, and then Scott quit like two weeks later because, <laughs> because apparently this has happened like once a week for months and it was such a boys club working there that no one like did anything about it. But that's my lemon party story. Um, well, what's funny is like, we, we've gone over a couple of these like shock images, right? We, we've, we've kind of sat there and, and, and dissected some of them. And this one is almost quaint. It's just three guys having a good time. Same thing with Goatsy or I mean, tub girl. I don't know. I, I, I feel like seeing the meatus of, of Kirk's asshole was a bit, it's a bit much for sensitive people, maybe. So I don't think the comparisons are necessarily apt. I think that, that there's a certain amount of skill that that involves. Listen, uh, you, def- just, you, you can't walk down the street and see that. That's true. It's, it's, it's not going to come, true. you're not going to look up at the window and be like, oh, it's a man ripping his asshole open. Right. Huh. You're never. You're not going to see three elderly gentlemen in a, in a three-way either. But I still think there's like a. I think you're aiming low with that thought. I'm sure. sure. I'm sure there's got to be something that's like three guys that look like Hector Salamanca <laughs> just <laughs> doing doing that look. That yeah. Yeah. It's just like it. Just it sounds like a. Someone's trying to push, uh, like it's like a bunch of cow hands are trying to push a steer's head underwater. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Get in there. Uh, <laughs> I don't care what you smell. No, <laughs> I look. I think that. It, okay, so lemon party is literally just three old guys um, having having a good time, and I, I feel like I feel like in the in the past it's it's gotten less shocking i don't know to me it, to me it's not really all that shocking i mean i think i think the thing that's shocking about it is really just the fact that they're just old it's less it's less about like well i guess at, at, the, at the time it was you know deeply homophobic and like oh look at these weird yeah um, but now as as time has gone on it's like well okay they're just old guys 
Mm-hmm. And and now, you know, with chemicals and whatnot, old guys are probably doing that a lot more. Oh, you probably yeah. it's probably a lot more common than than like you said, it's probably it's probably happening as we speak. So I don't know, it doesn't feel as transgressive or shocking, but you'd still get in the early 2000s, you get people tricking people with this image, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Because you'd have the, the posters where it's like tyrant of Obama's sour lies. Find out about the truth at lemonparty.org, which is still <laughs> live, by the way. That site is still up. Uh, and you so you can go to lemonparty.org and to your heart's content, enjoy the photo of the three gentlemen having a good time. It's like my high school friend having the t-shirt that just said goatsy.cx on. Oh, yes. Yeah, just what what an amazing way to go through this life. Yeah, just lemon party is just fucking disgusting and it's amazing in that that was probably like the edgiest thing for at least a couple months. Like I have a friend in high school his father was ex-military and spent a lot of time stationed over in Germany. And one time my friend was like, uh, I found my dad's old porno stash. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, classics. Oh, yeah. And he's like, oh, you got to check it out. It's fucking wild. And it was just like skinny German dudes fucking like 600 pound women. Okay. And it was all like just really aggressive angles and stuff. And like, that was shown to me for shock. Yeah, sure. And I think nowadays if I saw that, I'd be like, oh, that's actually really You can see that shot on like a medium format camera. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if they have an NFT project that I can buy. uh, Which tungsten flash were they using? Are they had the, uh, you know, they had the little cartridges or was it the, yeah, you know, nowadays I wouldn't be too phased by it. But back then it's like, wow, that's just, yeah, it's a lot going on there, and uh, and I think I, that's part of it is that it's just kind of lost its ability to shock you. I mean, what what is shocking anymore? I think is becoming... I still think a lot of gore, a lot of the gore stuff still gets me. Yeah, that's still like, there's a lot of stuff that, that did you, we have did yet you to see the video the that show. donkey. Did you see that video of that donkey being obliterated by a train like in Bangladesh? Jesus Christ. Yes. Oh, <laughs> it's it's like one of those things where like I'm not. It just looked like something from a video game. Like it was like almost if you went frame by frame, it went from a solid donkey to then to like the, the rag parts. doll, yeah. <laughs> just like an immediate meat pinata, which really makes you think about just how fragile and precious life is. That is a wonderful way to end the show. <laughs> well, you know what? We you still ever have, think about you ever think about life. You know, we have that one little segment. We talk about all this foul, disgusting shit. We got to kind of reset. You're the right. Energy. You told me last week about paper dolls or paper, not paper dolls, paper girls. Mm-hmm. And I have chewed through that phenomenal stuff. Thank you for the recommendation. If you haven't seen it, just to catch you up, if you, if you didn't catch last week's program, because paper, we haven't put it up yet, it may never sh- put it up. Sh- quiet. <laughs> it's because you said Virgil Texas looks like a child molester. But anyway, um, <laughs> I say that. <laughs> oh, wait, that was me. Uh, so, <laughs> No, that was that was the virtual AI of Petey Pablo. Oh, well, that, <laughs> that says that about everyone. I've captured, so really this, that uh, a... I've captured on this USB stick that looks like an old FIFA trophy. <laughs> Is it like Cyberpunk 2077 that <laughs> Petey Pablo is going to start taking the over your brain? I need a girl like I'm freaking the way I try. And they scared of a love to get a body because I ain't drunk enough to do that.
So uh, I've been spending, uh, I've I put over 200 hours <laughs> into this mod where P. Pablo can just be a random NPC. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working oh. on my next one, which is Hurricane Chris. Oh, no. <laughs> Great. And then you got to get Crazy Chris the Nightmare Man straight from the 80s. Jeez. Anyways, Paper Girls. Uh, sorry, Paper Girls. Uh, Paper Girls is a very charming sci-fi adjacent show set in the 1980s. Four girls on a paper route discover that things are not what they seem. I don't want to get too far into it, but there's some interesting stuff that happens in between point A and point B. A scant eight episodes, so very binge-worthy. Great young cast, including the girl who plays Mac, Mackenzie. Uh, she's fantastic. Yeah, she's probably a highlight right there. And then uh, you've got Abby Wong, who plays uh, the adult version of the character Aaron. You've got some, some just some Jason Matsukas. What a, what a welcome treat. Just what, what, just like a, a, a such an absurd character for him to play and for him to wear so excellently. Yeah, it's so it's, it's it's without getting too far into it. It's a story about time travel, and you've got this character that Jason Matsukas plays, who, unlike anyone else in the show, really seems to be a man out of time. To borrow the Elvis Costello phrase, he's just he's just there. He's just kind of there and i have this feeling that like he's not really playing a character i have a feeling that like that's just how jason is it's probably like brad pitt in 13 monkeys where it's like yeah. this is really just kind of him reading a script as brad pitt but at the same time it's still affecting because you've got this this whole bit about fate and determinism it's mm-hmm. like you said last week it starts out you think you're going in one direction like a stranger things type of deal and then it veers off and it 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 there's a whole uh, one of the characters gets her period and that becomes not just like a one-off joke it actually becomes like a meaningful plot point yeah and a 10 minute sequence where none of them know what they're doing like from shoplifting yeah yeah they they shoplift some tampons and then they're like how do you do this and they let me read the directions and it's funny all the way through but it's also heartfelt and it's kind of interesting the way it's presented like i don't think i've seen a show dissect that moment and really just chew on the meat for a while yeah it, uh, it really subverts your expectations in pretty much every way yeah because you've got this almost like there's a setup for like a one note joke and then we're going to forget about this for the rest of the series but it just keeps <laughs> it comes up in the worst moments there's a yeah it's i cannot recommend that one enough aside from that which you had already recommended to me i will say that the new Hulu-only Predator sequel, Prey. I've heard this is worth a watch at the very least. It is great. Dan Trachtenberg, who I don't know if you're familiar with uh, his films, Dan Trachtenberg did 10 Cloverfield Lane. That's one of my favorite things that he's done. That was a small two-hander. It was Goodman and the girl whose name I always forget. Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yes. But it's such a tiny story you know a character wakes up to find herself in a, in a bunker and one of them mm-hmm. is john goodman he's telling her it's not safe to go outside and so it, it plays out like a horror movie it's fantastic so he takes that same small scale tension and brings it into the predator universe i don't know why they decided to pray i gotta be honest with you because it almost feels like they're trying to divorce it from the rest of the 
movies. Because at least, you know, Robert Rodriguez did a Predator movie. He called it Predators, kind of in that way that yeah. Cameron did Aliens. You know, he was trying to do that same thing. And um, But then they did, Shane Black did The Predator, which was even more confusing because it's like the fifth fucking movie or fourth movie or whatever it was. Uh, if you're not... Are you counting Alien versus Predator? Because are those, those are those included in the canon? I was going to ask because I don't know if we'll ever have a good reason to talk about this. Have you seen Alien versus Predator two? Oh, uh, Requiem, yes. I got one. The why? Why does that? Why does that exist? It's so bad. Well, I I I disagree on that one. I, I there's a certain amount of pulpy fun that it's like they 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 did the Freddy versus Jason thing with it where they it's less about the two titular characters than it is about the slasher movie aspect of it and the characters escaping. And so it's kind of way more lighthearted. It's super goofy. Aliens versus Predator was straightforward. You know, it was very, uh, almost like they were trying to do like to make up for alien three being what it was, which I will say was not bad, but other people will disagree for one of the anniversary editions. They did a special edition cut. And, oh, for Alien Three, yeah, and uh, that's David Fincher, correct? Yeah, yeah. They, they called it the uh, the assembly cut. The assembly cut. I think yeah. in th- that's a different cut Is than it? the. They had the guy who edited the film mm. do his own cut, and it goes way more into the prisoners and who they are and what their motivations mm. and like. It's just a much gritty. There's just so much more to chew on. It's much more foreboding characters in the theatrical cut that are just there to die are like fully mm. fleshed out in this cut. It's a complete. Mm. It is uh, highly recommended. Oh, I, I again, I love Alien Three. It was one of the first Alien movies I saw at the box office mm-hmm. uh, at the theater. I didn't know who David Fincher was, but I sure as shit went home and found out because I really liked the way the way he presented the the alien kind of moving around the space it, in first person. That was a very Sam Raimi move that he was doing. You know, mm-hmm. he was doing. Um, I mean, he had some really bold casting choices. A lot of these cool British people that were in it. Charles Dance is in that, wasn't it? Charles Dance is in it, which is the the guy. It, the, it, though everything else that he's done in his career is just like, oh, he he's in this. Right. Oh, and uh, Brian Glover, Chris feels mm-hmm. like these these real. If you know British actors, they're it's like an all star cast: Danny Webb, Ralph Brown. But then you got Charles S. Dutton. I mean, he steals the fucking show. That that oh, yeah. that, that character, the Dylan that he plays, is just it's one of the best characters in an Alien movie. Not Hicks. <laughs> um, Charles Charles Dutton is probably my favorite part as far as like individual performance. Yes. The way I felt while watching Prey was very much the way I felt while watching the Alien 3, the theatrical version. Which is to say, okay, they're doing something. I'm not sure where this is going. I want to see more. So Prey, just it, it, it looks great, which is always nice. But it's also... There's a real sense that Trachtenberg is able to like ring out of, you know... Um, these settings and, and, and these actors, a lot of them are ac- actually indigenous. You know, they're not playing. It's not somebody in playing an indigenous. Uh, person. Not an indigenous person. Right. It's, <laughs> thank you. Um, uh, Amber Midthunder, who is the lead here, plays Nara. She steals the show, obviously, since it's her and the lead in the movie. 
it's very much like Sigourney Weaver in Alien, upfront and vulnerable. It's this great character work, and you know, you got Dakota Beavers who plays her brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Amber Midthunder, I kept, for the first ten minutes, I kept going, okay, I know, I know this actress. What have I seen her in? And then about 10, 15 minutes in, it clicked. Oh, she was in this underappreciated television program called Legion. That's my other recommendation for you this week is Legion. Now, uh, it's it's technically an X-Men story. If you remember the comics. I remember this. I remember this. So the the Legion storyline is about David Heller, who is technically the son of Charles Xavier. He gets a demon in his brain, and the demon drives him crazy. Right, so the this, the television series also features uh, Summerland, which is this group of mutants who all help David Heller defeat the Shadow King, which is what they call his demon in his brain. But she plays Amber Amber Mid Thunder plays a character named Carrie, spelled K E R R Y, who who is a a symbiotic character with another character named Carrie C A R Y. So she lives inside of his body and when she's in there she doesn't age and so he's out in the real world um, doing all the real world stuff she doesn't age and so they're he's older she's younger and she's wondering what's going to happen when you die am i still going to be around and then eventually through various twists and turns in the plot their roles get reversed and she's now the outside person and he lives in her and and she starts aging and she doesn't enjoy it. She does not like the, the, the being the being human part. So she's got this really tough, vulnerable thing that's a nice balancing act that's in that show. And she pulls that same trick in prey and it's great. Gotta recommend it. I gotta recommend that. And then Amber Midthunder's other thing, which was Legion. Um, another great cast on that too. Jermaine Clement is in Legion there. Dennis Quaid, great. Love oh. Dennis Quaid. Paul Bettany, Doug Jones, once again, Charles S. Dutton. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You've got, I mean, just, oh yeah, Aubrey Plaza, Dan Stevens, who's a relatively new guy on the scene. He's he's been around a little bit. He's the lead. He's David. Bill Irwin plays Carrie, the outside Carrie. Hamish Linklater, he's one of those guys. I, I have a running catalog of those guy actors. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I kind of of know what you're talking about, yeah. You'll see these small role character actors, and you'll see them in three or four different things, and then eventually you're like, oh, it's that guy. And so what I do... It's like a dude that kind (laughs) of looks like Dave Chappelle that's not Dave Chappelle. (laughs) And you realize he's in so much shit, and you're like, that guy does a lot of work, good for him. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. No, exactly. And that's how I I got into like Paul Giamatti stuff and and, uh, Jesse Plemons and like some of these guys who are just like for a long or J.K. Simmons even. They're just like, that guy, that guy. Uh, Hamish Linklater, keep an eye out for him. Uh, He he looks a lot like Bobby Cannavale, which is where I got really confused. He's in The Big Short. He's... Guy, he's a big part in Midnight Mass, that new TV series there. Came out last year. He was in The Stand, the TV series. He was in uh, one, one season of Fargo, the TV series. A really big variety of stuff. So yes, Legion and Prey, highly recommended. How about you, Brian? I haven't really been doing a ton on the media consumption front. Um, I tried watching Zero Dark Thirty on a edible 
Don't recommend that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, I fell asleep about an hour in. Yeah. And then I woke up at the part where they were storming Bin Laden's compound. Mm. And I was really concerned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Couldn't really make heads. Or, I was, I was really in the weeds. And then, uh, the next morning I kind of picked up where I left off and I was like, Oh, this, mm-hmm. why does this movie exist? Cause it does, what's its politics? What's it, what does it want to say? Because like, it feels like a movie that was that, that like MST three K could riff on because like that <laughs> final scene where she's like in the back of the giant cargo plane and the pilot's like, mm-hmm. Well, you must be pretty special. You got the whole... Oh, gosh, she willikers. You got the whole thing to yourself there, little lady. Oh, where do you want to go? <laughs> and she, like, pauses, and it's that shot where it's front on, and you see the tear. And it's like, oh, oh, you finally got Bin Laden, and now your life doesn't have any meaning because now now you, you find out you actually can't do anything to, to ease the collective suffering of, of everyone around you. And it's like, what? Am I supposed to feel sympathy? I think so. Yeah, I, I think don't, I, I don't know. It's like it's like is it if like it's like it's like Moby it's like Moby Dick for guys that like swallow their fucking dip. Yeah, I I, I really it, it, that movie hit me in a lot of ways because I've been a big fan of Catherine Bigelow for a long time. Mm-hmm, Catherine mm-hmm. Bigelow, who directed that, also did the Hurt Locker, superior film. She did Point Break. She did you know Strange yeah, Days. Did, yeah, yeah. Strange Days with Ray Fiennes, which she co-wrote with James Cameron, mm-hmm. Cameron the Goat. So, I mean, she's had an interesting career as far as, like, movies that are interesting and sometimes a little transgressive or, like, as even Point Break, you very much were supposed to side with Johnny Utah, the FBI agent. Or, mm-hmm. you know, in, in Strange Days, Ray Fiennes' character, even though he's kind of a scumbag, he's an ex-cop. And so he's got, you know, he's got the, and but it's the crooked law enforcement the bad guys in that movie strange days by the way vincent d'onofrio fantastic work love mm-hmm, him mm-hmm. another one of those that guy actors yeah it's it's like oh that's the guy that was gomer pile yep actually the that movie is stacked with that ray finds obviously uh you got uh tom sizemore mm-hmm. uh, and then you've got william fichtner that was the guy i was trying to think of uh, he's got one of those pinched up that guy faces mm-hmm. michael wincott who some people remember as the bad guy in the crow yeah, Juliet Lewis, Angela Bassett, just a, a staff cast on that one. And then, so you go from like Point Break, Strange Days, couple, a bit of a break. Yeah. And then, and then Hurt Locker and then follow Hurt Locker up with Zero Day. So you've got an Iraq movie, Afghanistan movie. Um, it feels like at some point post 9-11, Catherine Bigelow turned to, you know what I mean? I'll accept that I'm watching a movie that is on some level propaganda. Like I watched the gray man and it was like, there's sure. Yeah. There's like, this is, there's definitely an angle here. And, uh, and I accepted that that was probably what I was going to get with zero dark 30, but like no one looks good in that movie. And I don't know if, yeah, I don't know if that's the point. Like, I really don't understand. Like, like I said, I don't understand this movie's politics because, like, the CIA sure doesn't look good. The individuals in the CIA sure don't look good. No. I, and I feel like if it was actually trying to make a point about how, like, you know, the good guys in these sort of situations aren't even really that good or even, like, effective, like, it <laughs> sure is doing kind of... It, it's, 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 it's certainly a lot of subtext. 
It's there's yeah. not, there's not. Uh, if you did not care for Zero Dark Thirty, then I recommend you watching her next film. Uh, that was called Detroit. It's based on the 12th Street riot from the 60s. I've heard that's pretty good, actually. Yeah. Yeah, great cast. But but yeah, uh, I almost forgot. I had to look this up because I could swear that she had something to do with it. And yes, Near Dark, the uh, horny uh, Western vampire movie. Uh, she wrote and directed alongside oh. Eric Red, and which was Bill Paxton, Lance Hendrickson, Jeanette Goldstein, three names you'll recognize from the cast. Aliens. They're all vampires in this movie. It's fantastic. Anyway, I could talk about Catherine Bigelow for a while. Anyway, um, so yeah, don't necessarily watch Detroit if you feel like her politics might be not great for you because despite John Boyega being great in it, Office Jim, a.k.a. John Krasinski, is also in it. He's, he's making the face. As, he does. As he's, the making, he's, kneel, he's kneeling on some poor guy's neck, and he's just making the face at the camera. It's like, another day at the office, huh? Around all these animals. Why they let them run? I would like to see John Krasinski as a racist cop. Pulling people over for manner of walk citations and you know, all kinds of stuff. Anyways. Yeah, he, he actually he plays an attorney. A pr- <laughs> I, just want, I want Office Jim to just be like a terrible racist cop, like like something that like you know dragged on dragged across concrete or whatever. I tell you what, one more th- to throw on the recommendation pile. Speaking of Mel Gibson, a movie directed by his close friend Jody Foster with him in the lead role. It's called The Beaver. I've heard. Yes, about this. I'm going to tell you to watch a movie called The Beaver. A, uh, a a family man starts to have a psychotic break and begins to believe that the beaver puppet that he has found in the garage is speaking to him. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, very, very much. Jodie Foster, for some reason, decided that this was the perfect vehicle for Mel Gibson. And it is. It was shocking to me how good he is in this role. It's the, the funny parts of Lethal Weapon, all the comedy stuff that he does in that. He's still got it. Chops for days. Don't know how he does it. And is still racist. <laughs> all right. One last thing I want to talk about. Yeah, sure. We, we roll off into the sun. What you got? But have you played Inside? I play Inside all the time. Uh, <laughs> sir, this is, this is a Wendy's. Turn your turn your uh, turn your monitor on. Oh, it was like one of those. I I I I, I wish I uh, had just loudly walked away from the computer. <laughs> just like, I'm going to we bed. Can, we can dub that in post. Yeah, we can put that in later. The sound of Brian walking. I, I know the game which you speak. It's called Inside. I don't believe I actually own that one. That's that's one of the few indie darlings that may have passed me by. Oh, well, you need to fucking play it, and it's on okay. Game Pass if you have that. I do not, but I'll, I'll, I'll take a look. Fucking monster, you stick in me. Well, I have, I have the PlayStation Plus, and I, I get plenty of games that way. Games you'll never play. Oh, it's the same with Game Pass. Are you kidding me? Uh, there's, I mean, at least in Game Pass's defense, there's like stuff that pops. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll replay that. Which is how I got into replaying Inside, which I played, I think, like launch week back in, I think it was like 2016. I, I think it was like a stormy Saturday or something. Oh, perfect weather for this gray I, game, yeah. I think I 
played it in one day, like two sittings, like took a break for a little bit. And I was just the whole entire time just like glued to my monitor, just like this amazing visual language, this foreboding dystopia. And well, uh, what kind of game is it? It's like Limbo. It's the same people, Play Dead. Mm-hmm. So it's a game that's pretty basic. It's like a 2D. Is it like a platformer? Platformer, yes. Okay. Your buttons are, your only actions are basically jump and grab. Mm. And you're able to accomplish a lot with such basic language to interact with the world. Probably the most foreboding attack dogs in any video game I've played like outside of Resident Evil. It'd be, you don't have like really any weapons or anything or anybody really defend yourself other than like using the environment. And there's a lot of puzzles that are pretty clever. There are some puzzles that are kind of like bigger sequences that have parts to them that are a little tedious, but overall are pretty good. Just the presentation, the small team, but it feels very personal. It feels like art, like huh. video games sometimes don't always like i think emotionally grab you in a really authentic way but this one i feel really kind of digs into you into your skull and gets in there and there's no really spoken dialogue it's just about like Hmm. what you see what you experience what you have to go through and it doesn't it's a world that doesn't really fully explain itself which allows your imagination to really get creative and fill in these gaps and try to think and and understand what you're seeing or how could this be or understand just what what is this world because it's very familiar to our own but it feels both stuck in post-world war ii industrial age but also feels like very near future and the way I, I want to say it kind of reminds me of like City of Lost Children, where it feels like it's speaking its own language. Like it or has Brazil. Yeah. Or Brazil, yeah, where it's like this very singular thing. Like, yes, you could find points of reference to other video games or works of fiction or art, but on its own, it's 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 kind of by itself in its own category, which limbo was much the same. It's not a super long game. I think you can probably beat it in four to six hours most of the time. There's a couple Easter eggs, but... Yeah, it won a bunch of awards. It looks like it's a pretty well-received game. I just, for some reason, uh, that one passed me by. I think I got a little platformed out because I had done J.J. Macfield in the Island of Missing Memories. I'd done Celeste. I'd done a few kind of in a row. And then Elden Ring came out and obliterated any... Uh, not having Dark Souls brain for the next year or so. I will take that as my homework. I will go visit Inside because now months back, Epic did have it as one of the free games. So I do own it. I do have it. Um, I will put that, as they say, on the list. Excellent. Excellent. And I will go and try and watch Prey. Yes, absolutely. As well, those, pump those numbers up so Dan, Dan tracked him, some of them more big budget movies and so that Amber Mid-Thunder can be the big star I think she's bound to be. So, interesting right. thing to uh, to end the show on. Uh, thank you, Brian, for bringing your expertise to the table. As thank always, you, we thank uh, you, Jason, for uh, dealing with my uh, poor manners and <laughs> general no. general disdain for existence. Uh, where can we find you? Are, yes. Where can we find you, Jason? For um, 
for only good reasons. At Video Crime on Twitter, that's V I D E O C R I M E, at 48 Minutes of Dogs. You can send us an email with complaints, queries, questions, recipes for cake, whatever you'd like. 48 Minutes of Dogs Barking at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail at our phone number. That's 314 246 9766. Or if you like to have fun spelling with your telephone, that's 314 Ahoy Who. Uh, <laughs> we have Brian. fun. Well, you know me, I'm Brian Sutter, the mini Mandingo. And. Uh, <laughs> AKA Mr. Beefy, AKA, uh, AKA, Tencent Whopper, AKA, AKA, Mr. <laughs> AKA Mr. Surprise. Um, so anyways, I'm Brian. Um, you can harass me on the internet at uh, I shot Gidibor, which is I S H O T G U I D B O R D. You can also harass me on Instagram with the same handle. And if for some reason, this has not turned you off from knowing me further. My uh, portfolio is assholemusicphotographer.com. <laughs> I always love that you plug the assholemusicphotographer.com. Up. So, I also, I al- did I mention last time that I also have a music Oh, that's right. Yes. You <laughs> just, did. It's just yes. in case I ever want to stop working blue. Right. Um, I once had a very well-respected uh, Pulitzer Prize winning photojournalist ask me, <laughs> How do you think the New York Times is going to hire you if your portfolio website is assholemusicphotographer.com? I go, I don't fucking know. They're not hiring me now. My brother used to have my brother used to have all these transgressive URLs for his portfolio work when uh, he was starting out as a web designer and a programmer. Mm-hmm. And he always felt that he got more work having these like kind of naughty URLs than like uh you know uh jay sutter computer guy dot net because dot com was taken yeah Yeah, or yeah or having something that was going to stick into someone's head like oh him oh his you know webhor.com that's him which was or you know or named after some obscure like hardcore band from the 80s or something like exactly you know i think that's more interesting than like because some like kid who i think wanted to be like an nfl prospect in like ohio i think has like all of like the brian Sutter. like his name is spelled exactly like mine oh wow and and what's sadder is i think at one point in time he tried to be a photographer like he's younger oh, he's no. like 10 years younger and i'm like oh, oh. No. so now there's two there was the failed photographers with the name brian Sutter oh, and man. one the hockey coach likes yeah well you know what everyone likes us showing up Okay, well, that too. But a good song to end the show. Since this has been such a fucking everywhere kind of episode, maybe we should do uh, ADD by Viagra Boys. We're going to say goodnight with ADD by Viagra Boys from their new album, Cave World. Uh. (laughs) Goodbye.